Welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Gabby Schulte, and I know next to nothing about technology. And I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. So today, Laura, who are we talking to? Well, Gabby, lately I've been hearing in the tech world how people are running into data-related challenges when implementing CRM systems. So we have Jill Walker, CRM Success Catalyst, on the show today to help us out. Jill has over two decades of CRM project implementation expertise, so I think she's the perfect person to talk to us about just that. Jill, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, and I love getting my teeth into those data challenges to whether it's the initial (laughs) implementation or later on when people are trying to use all of that data. Because let's face it, what is the point of beating your users up, getting them to enter all this data if nobody can actually do anything useful with it? Exactly. That's that's the thing that we really want to tackle today. How do you know uh, get bypass all of those sort of traps that people run into. Uh, But before we do that, Jill, we kind of want to learn a little bit more about you and kind of how you got into the industry. So would you mind just telling us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the short answer to how I got into this industry is by accident, which is in common with quite a lot of people. But to give put a little bit of flesh onto those bones, sure. my first degree is experimental pathology. And oh, there wow. are not very many people with my degree in the world. Ten, to be precise. Wow. Ten. And That then morphed into teaching, including teaching children with special needs, maybe not politically correct today, but this wasn't today. This was 36 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And that then morphed into um, an IT support and training role. And that then morphed into consulting and the consulting got narrower and narrower. And for the last two decades, as you said, I have been focused almost entirely on Microsoft CRM, Microsoft Dynamics Mm. CRM, Microsoft Dynamics 365 and Power Platform, which, of course, is not for products. It is one product that has evolved, and as it has evolved, it has changed its name, although it is also a family of products. So you can take that in lots of different ways. (laughs) Well, so... Something that we like to do with this podcast, you know, before getting into the weeds of, of what we're talking about today, we w- we like to make it sort of accessible for people who are curious about technology, who are maybe starting into technology, maybe don't know everything, um, all the verbiage. So would you mind just explaining a little bit exactly, you know, what uh, CRM implementation implementation is what that entails, um, and then also, can you kind of get us up to speed on some of the challenges that people are running into when we're doing that kind of stuff? 
Well, you've you've got about three months for this discussion, haven't you? Yeah, of course. This is gonna be this is gonna be a a, a course that people are gonna sign yes. into. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. yeah. Your your okay. uh, sixty let's second start version from the very beginning. We have glibly banded around the term CRM, and that stands for usually customer relationship management but it might also be client relationship management and it can be customer or client record management. So they seem to be the four commonest definitions of the term. If we take that a little bit further, what CRM, the technology is, is the underpinning piece for an overarching philosophy within an organization. And that philosophy is where there is a desire within the organization to share data in a way that allows everybody who needs it to have access to the data that they need without giving them access to data that they don't need, and additionally, without confusing them by giving them access to functionality that they don't need. And therein, of course, lies the rub that in order to get to the bottom of who needs what in terms of both data and functionality, there is a lot of analysis and understanding that goes ahead of that. And there is no quick, simple, just do this approach to it. And one of the ways, and there are many of them, that you can take your project and make it go way off the rails is buying into this idea of you're the expert, just do what you did before. Because one of the ways that I look at that is if any one of the three of us were to go into a clothes shop wanting an item of clothing, go up to an assistant who presumably is an expert in their stock and say, what do you reckon I should buy out of all this stuff? And they say, here, take one of these. This is what the gentleman before us bought. On the balance of probability, the gentleman before us is going to be different to us in lots and lots and lots of ways. And therefore, the garment that we can assume was perfect for him may not be quite so good on whichever of us is the lucky person purchasing this garment. And we probably wouldn't be too happy with that as an approach to our clothing needs i mean i don't know about everyone at home but i always like to purchase older men's <laughs> old clothes 
yes. I, I see that when I look at you, I think that's yep, she my likes style. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I understand that it's not everyone's style, and so that makes perfect sense, Jill. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of you know when I think of a CRM system, it's a hard thing because in some ways it is an amazing system. You can use all kinds of metrics and see what's going on, keep things organized. But then there are so many people, specifically in a sales role, that are afraid. I think in a lot of ways of CRMs. Um, so, so I guess mine's a two-part question. I'm curious of how do you find that when people are so scared of showing them all of the benefits of that? Is that a challenge that, that you face? And, and the next thing is, I know that you're in Australia, and I'll admit that uh, I, I'm curious about that. Do you find the Australian market to be different than the U.S. market or anywhere else, any of the Asia markets? Um, how, how do you feel with that? I can't comment overly much on the differences between Australia because I've been living here now for 20 years. One thing that I do know is that the population density is very different and that affects a lot of things in that there are really seven or eight major cities in Australia and of those Five are pretty much on the East Coast. We've got two in the middle. And of course, there is Perth a long, long, long way from here that is a four-hour flight. So there are a lot of things that end up being different just because of that population density. It comes out in terms of project size, how you market to people, how events are run. So even within, if we take one example of user groups that exist in the dynamic space and in lots of other spaces, how many of those can a population support? So in the US, for example, there are probably dynamics user groups in every city and in the big cities, there will be multiple user groups. So people in that space probably don't have far to go. In Australia, we have got one per state. And the states might be 2,000 kilometers from north to south. So that means that there's a lot of facilities, I suppose, that people in the US might take for granted that are just not available purely and simply for distance reasons in Australia. That's interesting. And and I guess that also leads me to another question. So uh, can you speak a little bit more on your experience with Microsoft Dynamics 365 and just give some tips that, that people can use to bypass some of the security traps or, or any security traps that you think people face and anything that they're trying to set up in, in a security model within that platform or, or anything kind of like that? I think when I think of Microsoft uh, Dynamic 365, my brain just goes to like security um, issues that, that people tend to have. And so I'm curious with your expertise, if you could dive into that a little more. I think for all of those issues, the fundamental answer is education to deliver understanding. So being prepared to invest some time 
and a relatively small amount of money. Certainly, it's a small amount of money if you compare it to the cost of a project failure in understanding how that product, in this case, Microsoft Dynamics 365, is put together and what it offers before we make any changes whatsoever. And if you get that understanding into the heads of key people in the business, so don't rely on, ah, we've brought in this partner. This partner is an expert and we know our business and between us, we can make it work. I liken that to a German trying to speak to an Arab And the conversation is just not going to work. Even if you have got a translation piece in between them, but particularly if that translation piece is an American who happens to have done maybe high school German and a degree in Arabic. If, and yet we see that sort of thing so often. So I advocate very, very strongly that some of the key decision makers should invest a few days. And that obviously can be spread over time if that works better and there is time in the project. But the net investment we're looking at is a few days to become familiar with what the technology that has been selected, whether that is Dynamics 365 or any of the other competitors, what do they offer before any changes are made? And get to the point where you understand that, and then you can start talking from a position of strength about the bits of that that don't work in your business, rather than just butting heads with a with a business, with a client, we're paying you, you've got to do it this way, which is very much the German and the Arab quite well shouting at each other, which they're probably not doing quietly. <laughs> yeah. um, each saying, if I speak more loudly than you, you'll understand, whereas the understanding is not going to happen. Yeah. And and what do you find? And if, sorry, if you hear anything going, construction or anything, just don't worry. It won't be in the final. I'll re-record my questions because there's spontaneous construction, I guess, going on next door. Um, it's but it's not spontaneous combustion. Exactly. Yeah. You can always look on the bright side. <laughs> so um, I was going to ask, though, what what do you think is the best way to get to that understanding um, for people? Like, so you said to invest a few days, but could you expand a little bit more to, like on how people can um, sort of educate themselves or their partners um, to that level? I would argue, and this is going to be a little bit of a plug for the service that I would offer, but I would argue to start your project with some days of training. So the the recommendation that I would make is a what I call a getting started course, which is an introduction or an overview to 
Dynamics 365, followed by enough understanding of how you can configure the solution so not so that you become an expert that is never going to happen in three or four or five days but so that you've got some understanding of the opportunities that are available to somebody who is more deeply trained more experience in the technology than you. That also acts as a bit of an insurance policy. I have helped a number of clients who, to put it bluntly, have been led right well and truly up the garden path. And it turns out subsequently that their expert, in fact, has only done two or three days training, maybe has read half a dozen or more blogs and similar about the product, but is quite literally one or two steps ahead of the client and running incredibly fast to remain one or two steps ahead. Now, if you are unlucky enough to get somebody like that on your project, you want to show them for what they are very, very quickly. And that education that I'm recommending will serve as that for you. You will also have enough understanding that if the way the implementer is going is trying to blow the project out into bigger than Ben-Hur because they get paid maybe by the hour, day, time, maybe they get paid for specific functionality, but nevertheless, they're going to get paid significantly more for this project than this project. But if you've got that knowledge, you will spot that happening. Whereas without that knowledge, it really can be, you put yourself into a situation of the emperor's new clothes because you, and you are the emperor because you don't have the ability to see. Whereas the education gives you the ability to see. So it's the education that allows you to see that you are stark naked. Uh, Jill, you're scaring me. I just want to go right there. I was like, I am getting fearful already. I was like, oh no, <laughs> that's a nightmare. I was like, oh, scared. But it's, it's a nightmare that's relatively easily fixed. And one of the other stories that I use is buying a new house. And I talk about the idea. Imagine you met a friend walking down the street and they're saying, hey, we've just we've just bought this really ace new house and we're going to make the master bedroom purple and we're going to put a a pink splash back in the kitchen and we're going to do this, that and the other. And you say, and how many bedrooms has your new house got? I said, oh, I don't know that. Haven't actually visited it, but I know we're going to make a (laughs) pink splash back in the kitchen and a purple master bedroom. You know, they're really missing the point. And yet you put it into CRM implementations and people 
put large amounts of money down when they really don't know how many bedrooms the house has. They haven't visited it. They know nothing about it or the equivalent. Right. And and putting it like that in that context really does make it seem like it's kind of a no brainer. Like you you need to really invest upfront in into that understanding and education that you're talking about. Um, mm. So, yeah. So so last question for you, Jill, um, when we're talking about CRM impl- implementation, um, what are some of the you know, trends or um, maybe something coming down the pipeline that you foresee given your experience that maybe people want to be paying attention to, to look out for, for the future? I would say, and again, it comes back to education, but make sure that the people making the decisions are aware of the new functionality that is coming into the product and also the functionality that is being deprecated and deprecated means rolled out of the product. So that awareness can save you a lot of money because let's say there is a new feature that is coming into Dynamics or whatever the chosen technology you have selected in three months' time. If you know that that functionality is coming, you can avoid investing in having configuration or customization done to deliver that functionality. It is probably better that you wait the three months until it is delivered to the product. We can then look at the other side. These products are evolving and that evolving means things are being removed as well as added. So what you don't want to do is to build a process or user reliance on a piece of functionality that is going to be deprecated or rolled out in the relatively near future, because then you're going to be left effectively high and dry because you've got your users reliant on whatever it might be. And potentially you've built on top of it and it disappears. And while this information is made public ahead of time, it is the responsibility of the key decision makers to be aware of what's happening so they can keep their vendor honest. Because let's face it, who is the vendor most interested in? So the caveat emptor or buyer beware really, really applies here that somebody who absolutely has your interests, if you're the implementer at heart, needs to have that knowledge. If you're assuming that somebody who has their employer, who's not you, and they're being tasked on selling licenses, selling billable days, they may well be not as interested in steering you towards let's wait a bit until functionality arrives or let's not do that because in 
three months time, you're going to have problems because it's no longer part of the product or it's no longer supported, whatever the particular story happens to be. That's that's all very interesting. And, and we've learned a lot today. So thank you so much for coming on to our show. Thank you for the time. Um, I think I speak for both of us just by saying this has been great. Very, very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing the result. Okay, so I'm not over the Emperor's New Groove. Like that, like showing up naked and thinking like I look great in my outfit is like a nightmare. So she was scaring me with that. Well, there you go. And I think Jill was actually putting in some good analogies to help us putting into context, like how much it doesn't really make sense to, you know, invest in that kind of education process. You know, you would never buy a house without knowing what the rooms are. Me personally, I, of course, like to jump ahead and daydream about my kitchen backsplash. But, you know, I get that, you know, you need to know the square footage of the house and like all that other stuff. So (laughs) I think, uh, you know, she put it into terms that people can really understand. Like, no, this is an important process uh, when we're talking about CRM implementation. Man, I have had problem with a problem with that word. Um, But (laughs) but uh, you know, I think, you know, putting into that context of like, it's worth spending that time on the education of, yeah. you know, really understanding what you're getting into. Yeah. And she has a clear passion for it. I loved her degree. I liked that she had a degree that only 10 other people have. That, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. 10, only 10, 10 people have that degree. Yeah. That's. Should we go back and get it just to change this? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's make it 12. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Laura, I think that just, you know, wraps us up. What do you what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I hope everyone liked the show that's listening. So please uh, follow us on LinkedIn at That Tech Pod. Check out our website at thattechpod.com. Email us any questions you have at, yep, you guessed it, thattechpod at gmail.com. If you want to be on our show, if you want to suggest someone to be on our show, if you want to tell us you just hate our show, that's sad, but we would love to hear from you. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. You can also help us out by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five star rating. Even though, even if you don't actually think we're a five-star podcast just yet, um, give us the five-star rating because that kind of just helps us out with the algorithm in Apple Podcasts. And then you can tell us whatever you want in in the review if you write us a review. Um, But we would love the feedback and support if you have an extra minute in your day. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And don't forget, if you don't think we deserve a five-star rating, we would still love a five-star rating and feel free to email us and tell us why you don't like us because we are concerned and we'd love to talk to you. 